Hey, how's it going? Here we go with... Yes, Shift. <laughs> In celebration of this album, here's the title track from Budapest. Open Your Eyes, a very interesting album. Yeah, and uh, you're Dan Schinder and I'm Steven And you're Steven Schinder. Schinder. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> no, rela- I mean, we're related. Yeah. Yeah. He's the son, I'm the dad, and uh, we've been looking forward to this. And when we do episodes, we do our best not to talk about them ahead of time, other than agreeing on what's the next episode, you know, stuff like that. So we'd love for you to chime in in the comments, whether you're watching on the Yes Shift Facebook page, or even on the archive on YouTube, or on Drum Talk TV's Facebook page where we simulcast live. And let us know, did your thoughts on the music, the lineup, did you see the tour? I saw the tour. Yeah. Steve, you um, were three when this came out. Do you, do you remember when it came out? Yeah, no, I was like too young. This came out November 25th, 1997, apparently. Um, of course, we're doing this today because, you know, the Thanksgiving weekend is coming up. So, yeah, we just want to make sure everyone is like able to tune in. We didn't want to like ensure any of that. But yeah, yeah this this is a very... Um, kind of divisive album, I guess you could say. Not but, intentionally, though. Right, yeah. And, you know, it's been 25 years and we want to give it its due and uh, go into it. So where should we start? Should we Let's, start with, like, the context yeah. of this album? Yeah, or? I loved, like, unpacking what was going on at that time in popular music. Uh, popular rock slash prog. Right, so we'll go into, like what was being released around that time. And then we'll go into like the origins of this album, I guess you could say. Yeah. Uh, So in 1997, so February of that year, Blur released her self-titled debut album. U2 released Pop in March of that year. Marillion, a prog rock band, released This Strange Engine in April. And The Flower Kings with Stardust We Are that same month. Radiohead released OK Computer in May. That's a pretty good album. Mm-hmm. Dream I didn't Theater. know you were into that. Oh, yeah, I like Radiohead. Oh, I had no idea. See, we hardly talk. Yeah, uh, <laughs> my favorite <laughs> song of theirs is Videotape. Um, huh. And Dr- Dream Theater, you know, prog rock, prog metal, they released Falling Into Infinity September of that year. It's a young Dream Theater, 97. Yeah, and uh, of course, uh, Yes put out keys to ascension 2 on november 3rd and then open your eyes on november 25th (laughs) yeah um and i was reading a bit more into that um actually before hopping on here i looked through uh chris welch's book that i have close to the edge the story of yes you know one of my favorite books uh to see more of the context of that um and and just as a little teaser we are like that's right you can say that now yeah, I think we're pretty much up, almost confirmed to yeah, have him on the show. I think we're confirmed, yeah. Yeah, so uh, keep an eye out for that. It'll probably be in December, and we'll post Do, about it. We have the date, don't we? Uh, we have it. yeah, we were sent a possible date, but I don't know if it's, like, locked in yet. Okay. Um, I, I do know the upcoming one with... Um, Aaron Emerson and his wife Joe is locked in. That one's gonna be the next one on December first, uh, six p.m. UK time, so ten a.m. Pacific, one p.m. 
Eastern U.S. And, time. and that's kind of like a part two deeper dive on the review that Steve and I did on uh, the Keith Emerson book. Was that when we were moving you or in San Francisco? Yeah, it was. Okay, all right. It's all a blur. Yeah, that, that was yeah, fun. Like it the was, band, blur. <laughs> yeah, exactly. 1997. It was a great read. And so now we're going to get Aaron and Joe, his wife Joe's um, perspective on, you know, Keith's life and, and being a daughter-in-law and his one of his two sons. And really looking forward to that. Yeah. And Chris Welch did a great job, like, putting that book together. Oh, yeah. And, um, and again, so, yeah. So that's our little teaser. But getting back to that book, the Yes book that um, I looked into to get more info on the Open Your Eyes period. So th there was like weird stuff going on with management and like disagreements on like how the tour should be going on. You forgot to say um, again. Yeah, again. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, one of the big things was that Rick Wakeman, he had a solo tour planned like already. And then the management uh, put together uh, some yes tour dates for like summer of 97, I believe it was. And like, you know, it conflicted with Rick's schedule and he was like really unhappy about that. So question. Yeah. So if that had gone through, would we have seen possibly that that is live and other key Maybe. studio stuff we've never seen performed. Right. Cause yeah, maybe cause on that open your eyes tour children of light was the only thing that squeaked out and yeah. like that was it. Um, but yeah, Rick left again. And, uh, and I, I also read that another possibility was having yes tour with Emerson Lake and Palmer, but apparently John wasn't really into that idea. And huh. I guess Rick wasn't, either um huh, but that would have yeah that would have been interesting um, yeah what a bill what yeah like back you, to that, you had, that yeah cool. you had three more young you know like back then you had dream theater and a couple other young prog bands all of a sudden it's like a touring festival prog fest right yeah <laughs> um so yeah there was like weird stuff going on with management and rick uh you know when we interviewed billy earlier this year he recapped like that part of the story where they're like mixing, I think they're mixing keys two in the studio. And then uh, John picked up the phone and it was Rick and he was like, Rick has just quit the band. And then everyone sort of goes home. Like Steve goes to England, John uh, goes to, uh, I can't remember if he was in California or Hawaii yeah. at this you, point. I but... think he was in uh, San Luis Obispo still. Okay. Yeah. Maybe even big bear at that point. Yeah. It sounds about right. Yeah. Um, yeah. San Luis Obispo probably, but um, so Billy really didn't want to see the band that he loved, the band he like grew up with and has worked with by this point, you know, just break up. And so he and Chris were writing stuff and, you know, Billy has been very, um, keen on like turning down the myth that all of this stemmed from the Chris Squire experiment. There was like only right. one song that had been performed by Chris Squire experiment called wish I knew, which became up in your eyes. And then man in the moon appeared on conspiracy when, uh, you know, he and Chris eventually put out that record, but everything else was pretty much made for the purpose of this album. It did start out with Billy and Chris writing stuff and then they'd send it to, 
the other guys. So, you know, they were spearheading it. And then um, Steve has been very vocal about, you know, in, in that book, I mentioned how it felt like there wasn't much room for him and John to work with, and it didn't feel as collaborative as he would have liked. But, uh, you know, the band needed something and the management and I guess the record label or whatever really wanted them to put out this album. They were originally going to put it out in early 1998, but they wanted to put it out in time for the tour. And right. since since they were touring, that was when the other label that had Keys 2 was like, oh, then we'll put out Keys 2. And so that's why they came out like so close together. You know, it was such a... Which is weird. I don't think that. that's ever happened where a band releases two albums within weeks and it's two different lineups and both like kind of current. You know, it's not like Keys was a archive of closet stuff from 10 years prior. It was still very, you know, the, the, the tape machine was still warm, if you will. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, I had a thought. What was it? Oh, and of course, Billy takes on much of the keyboard duties. Uh, Steve Percaro does guest on Open Your Eyes. And there were a few keyboardist possibilities that came up. Um, uh, like, I think Steve had asked Jeff Downs and Jeff was into it. And also, like, Eddie Jobson and Patrick Mraz came up as really? possibilities. Really? Why don't I remember that? That's crazy. What, yeah, this, I wonder this how was in, uh, Yeah, this was in Chris Welch's book, Close to the Edge of the Story of Yes. So that, wow. Why like, didn't I remember that? Yeah, any of those would have been interesting, but... You know, John had that cakewalk demo that I think a friend of his gave to him, or maybe Igor sent him, and it had Igor's playing on it. And uh, John and Steve wanted Igor in the band, and uh, Chris and Alan want Billy in the band. And, you know, on Open Your Eyes, um, Igor is not a full member, but he's on three of these tracks. Um, I think on New State of Mind, No Way We Can Lose, and Fortune Seller, if I'm not mistaken. And I, ha I have to say, I know people's thoughts about Igor and yours, Stephen. Right. But he he did so well live, and we'll get to the tour. And then for that lineup to take leaps and bounds to the next album, the latter, wow. You know, and with Bruce Fairbairn, unfortunately, the late great Bruce Fairbairn yeah, producing Bruce it. Fairbairn. Just, just wow. Uh, he was a good addition musically, he really was. Yeah, it's probably, I know it's not the exact same lineup. You know, I'll, I have the CD right here, um, and, you know, Igor is not listed as a member. Right. Um, and we'll uh, get to talk about cover yeah. art and everything. Yeah, I, I got this autograph by Billy on the Topographic Drama Tour several years I thought you were going to say, like, Jeff or someone. <laughs> Yeah, that that would have been funny, maybe. But um, but yeah, like it, we do kind of think of it as almost the same one. Like he is on this, and from "Open Your Eyes to the Ladder" is possibly the biggest leap between albums of a somewhat similar lineup. Or there might be another example, but I don't know. But yeah, it's definitely a huge leap. Um, yeah. so that's kind of the context of how the "Open Your Eyes" album came together and you know people have been arguing about it ever since yeah let's do that now people just let it fly while i read the track list and if you 
don't have it or haven't listened to it in a long time, maybe some of these titles will jog your memory. Um, New State of Mind, Open Your Eyes, Universal Garden, No Way We Can Lose, Fortune Seller, Man in the Moon, Wonder Love, From the Balcony, Love Shine, Somehow, Someday, and The Solution, and The Hidden Song, which we'll get to later. Yeah. Yeah. I have something to tell you that I don't think I've ever told you about that. Right. So, Dad, you were you were around like you were not a baby or toddler like I was when this came out. So what was your reaction when <laughs> I might have first, acted like one when you first heard open your eyes? Um, so I remember where I was. I was driving and I heard open your eyes on the radio. And the first thing that grabbed me was how prominent Chris's voice was mm. uh, with that low mid range on the choruses. And I just loved it. I loved it. I went out and got it right away on these things, boys and girls, that we used to have called cassettes. Um, I think I got the CD later. I know I bought you the CD at some point, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. And uh, the other thing that grabbed me about the album was the production. The production's great. And I've told Billy over and over since that year, the fortune seller is just... So many of these songs, if you play them loud... Not that they don't deliver if you don't, but to play them loud, new state of mind, open your eyes, uh, the solution. The solution I really wish they did live. That is a grooving freaking song. Um, Love Shine, uh, Man in the Moon. Just There's so much depth and richness in the production. And I think that's one of the first things I, I've mentioned this before that I notice when I listen to music that's new to me. Not necessarily new music, but music that's new to me. And this was at the time. So when when do you remember hearing it as a music listener for the first time and not a toddler trying to get out of the car seat in the back <laughs> of the van while I was listening to it? <laughs> yeah, well, firstly, I remember sometime in the mid-2000s, uh, like you had like this... Um, recording of the San Diego show that you went to that December with my older brother, Alex. Yeah. And that had open your eyes and from the balcony on it, you know, those were played on that tour. Um, mm -hmm. they, they also played no way we can lose, but only four times on that tour. One time it was with the Millican middle school. And choir, I saw that is... on a different night at what used to be the universal, universal amphitheater at universal, City Studios, oh, which yeah. became the Gibson Theater, which is now, I think, a parking lot. No, it's the Harry Potter thing. That's where they okay. built the Harry Potter thing. So, so I did see with the middle school because that wasn't that the school Billy went to when he lived in California for a bit near where you, you your mom lived. Uh, Might have been. That sounds vaguely. Yeah, familiar. I believe that's it. And the teacher was there, his old music teacher. But, but yeah. So, what what did you think when you were able to digest what the heck it was? Yeah, I, I thought, oh, like, the live version of Open Your Eyes, I thought was a really cool song. You know, I was still in that phase where I leaned more toward the, I was leaning more toward the Yes West stuff at that age. Right. Um, I was probably, like, around 10 or so, something like that. And, but From the Balcony, I thought was, like, such a beautiful song. You know, it's it's up there with some of the great guitar playing we hear on stuff like Onward and Turn of the Century. yeah. It's a and beautiful then, song. Yeah. Yeah. And then 
years later, I think I heard like bits and pieces of certain songs on the album, but it wasn't until maybe 2009 that I listened to the CD from beginning to end. So I was able to get the full experience. And um, what's funny is like, we both like this album, but I think I get the impression that you enjoy it more than I do, which is funny because I think if people like looked at our respective generations on the surface, they would think it's the other way yeah, around. Yeah, that's know? true. That's true. I love the epics. I grew up with all of them and I play to all of them still. But um, before we continue, I, I'd like to play a bunch more of the title track and because this thing really pumps live. And, and okay. I love that. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. All right, so let's stretch this out, folks, and bring it to you right in front of Steve and I. This is really cool. This song rocks. And the volume's off. Record the song. It's, uh, Crank it's it up, folks. This, this is really cool. Looking through some of the comments, I think even among people who are kind of eh on the album, cite the title track as like their favorite song. Yeah, on I've noticed that before in the past as well. And we do have some uh, viewer slash listener comments that we'll get to later. 
But um, anything else you want to comment on your first impressions of it before we go to the album cover? <laughs> right. So, like I said, I do enjoy the album, uh, and but like, like since that first listen, you know, Universal Garden. I think I actually previously heard on the In a Word Yes box set, or or maybe it was later after this. I don't know, but. Yeah, I thought that was a strong song. It just really reaches into the wonder of like the vastness of the universe, you know, and that feels very yes-ish to me. Exactly. Um, it's it's very cosmic and ethereal and it, it, it totally is a stitch to all other yes, I think. Yeah, I even like remember seeing someone say that they wish that Universal Garden and Mind Drive had been like on the same album. Oh, that's or interesting. Huh. Yeah, but um, I, I think it, ever since that first listen of the full album, you know, I enjoy it. I like it, but I still think it ranks on the lower side of where I'd rank all the Yes studio albums. Like I enjoy them all, but it it's not one that I think of as frequently as others, if that makes sense. But yeah. when I, when I do listen to it, uh, there, there is stuff that I really dig. Um, you know, I, I previously said man in the moon is one of my least favorite yes songs, but huh. on this listen, wonder love, like was, I was really feeling that one. Um, you know, the part where you hear Alan's drums, like going boom on like the hoping today, hoping oh, yeah. tomorrow. I, I wish there was like a bit more of that repeated throughout the song. Um, yeah. And the solution, I, I realized this time around, I kind of wish that it stuck to one lane and was more into like the, you know, the self-assurance aspect of it and not transitioning so much into the, round and round we go like it kind of feels like a clash of tones to me a lot so i feel like it could have been a bit more refined uh which is why um here's a question i just came up with like do you think there's a song that could have been a stronger finish to this album i'm looking at the list I yeah, think I think you do, and I think I know what it is, and I could probably go for the same one. Do you have one in mind? Um, I, I'm kind of tempted to say Universal Garden, but I also think it needs to be earlier in the track list so people I, can I, remain more engaged. I could see switching out Fortune Seller. Okay, yeah, I think Wonder Love could also possibly work it's kind of funny how we have like a string of like four love songs yeah in a row that's kind of like almost like i think big generator had like three in a row or something crazy like that um, and one might have even been more lust than love but whatever <laughs> right well rhythm of love was like track one and then you had a couple other tracks before getting like the three others in a row and but, fortune yeah. seller was the last song on side one when we dealt with sides <laughs> oh that's right yeah yeah so that's why i say that to me that's kind of a natural one um but uh yeah it it's an interesting album and and on its own without comparing it to fragile and close to the edge and you know all the it's a different band and even steve house said at the time this is a new yes 
and you seemed quite excited about it. If you forget context and just listen to it for what it is, I think there's some great music, some great production, and Billy really does bring a whole new additional layer to the vocals that absolutely tips everything to the plus side. Like one more great voice in that band, you can hear it and it makes a difference. It's part of that sound as much as any other Yes West sound with Trevor, if I can say that, you know. Yeah, what's interesting about the vocals is for Man in the Moon, I actually prefer the conspiracy version because it feels like there's not as many... Like, for some reason, the vocals on this version feel, like, a little bit overwhelming, whereas it feels more refined on the conspiracy Mm. version. But there is, like, some cool vocal stuff done on, uh, like, Open Your Eyes, a title track, and Fortune Seller. I kind of dig how they start with, like, you know, the scat singing, like, you know, the whole thing. Are you Um, syncing? It looks, or is your camera moving? It looks like you're getting lower and lower. Oh, maybe I'm just like moving around. I don't okay. know. Um, <laughs> but um, do you think this album would have felt more natural between two different albums instead yeah. of between Keys 2 and the latter? Well, I think it has to precede the latter for obvious reasons because this lineup developed right. into the latter. So it is kind of weird sandwiched with keys in there but i don't know where else because now if we answer that we're warping time so maybe talk and then open your eyes and then the ladder i don't know yeah like like talk open your eyes and then keys and then the ladder yeah that's what i was thinking like you Um, can't say tormato because again then you're really (laughs) like billy was 12 or whatever then right yeah you know (laughs) um yeah i I did see someone else say and I, i wish i could find this comment that i saw a while ago that they thought that maybe open your eyes could have been between two other different albums i can't remember which ones they were i don't remember if it was between Big Generator and Union, or between Union or Talk, or what, but... Tales and Relayer. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not. <laughs> um, but, yeah, like, I could totally see Keys going into the ladder and maybe Open Your Eyes preceding all that, like, musically. But, again, you'd have to, like, warp the whole, like, how the t- lineup stuff worked out. And the aging and, yeah, yeah. yeah. Gear, even gear that wasn't around in one period, you know. Things right, like yeah. that. Um, so you want to talk about the cover art? Yeah, let's talk about the cover art. Okay. So um, let's... so this is possibly Roger Dean's greatest work. Uh, no, I mean, it's, it's cool. It's cool. It's just, it's very minimalist, you know? It is. And, uh, you know, I was thinking about this today that, like, why didn't they have, when we went and saw Roger and Freya's exhibition in uh, San Francisco, there were a lot of beautiful animals with eyes and it made me think of like, there was that white tiger, there were snakes or all kinds of things. He's oh, yeah. so good with eyes. It's like, why weren't there eyes? And I realized that maybe it would have been clu- too close to an Asia esque thing. Yeah. Because he's done that with Asia. Yeah. You know, 12, 15 years earlier, whatever he had, he's kind of started that. So maybe that's why, but I still, this is very identifiable because it is their iconic logo, literally their right. icon. And it looks great on black. I love the color scheme. But at the same time, 
I don't want to offend anybody about saying they mailed it in, he mailed it, but maybe he didn't have time. You know, they went from one band to another, Rick just left, let's make this album, okay, let's put it out. You know, maybe he said, ah, here's a logo. Here's yeah, your logo on moved, black. You know? Yeah, because they moved up the release of it in the schedule. Yeah, like so we who mentioned. Knows? Um, um, I, I do like how, and I don't know if this was intentional, but I do kind of like how, you know, yes, we're going into their 30, 30th anniversary year. And so it kind of looks like the first album, like it's kind of reddish, but it doesn't have like the blue outline. Maybe that would have been cool, but it's against black. So like, I don't know if that was intentional, but um, I do kind of think there was a missed opportunity in not doing something with, you know, the word eyes has the word yes in it. So I don't know, maybe put a yes logo in that somehow. Oh, that's so, interesting. I don't know. Yeah. And, and then if you look at this compared to the ladder cover, which is one of my favorite yes covers. Yeah. The like... vivid, the blues, <laughs> turquoises, you know, just all that stuff. And the new font. That's when the new font debuted. Right. Isn't it? Or was that Keys? Um, It might have been on the ladder. I think I know which font you're talking about. But yeah, I think it was on the ladder. Yeah. Um, Actually, uh, it may have even been on Return to the Center of the Earth, now that I think about it. The original one? Yeah. No, Return, yeah, in the late 90s. Oh, the Return. Return. You're right. You're right. That's even more interesting. Yeah, that that was another thing Rick had on his uh, schedule, like looking ahead. Um, okay, I, I guess it wasn't returned. So yeah, maybe it was the latter with the font you're talking yeah, about. Yeah, it's kind of similar to what you're talking about. But so, do you have a favorite song? I don't think we pointed that out. I think Universal Garden feels like the. It sounds best to my ears, in my opinion. Um, so I think it's, you know, it's a good mix of fresh newness of the time and the cosmic side of yes music and lyrics and all that. For me, you? yeah. I, so to me, and, and this is not a net, I don't mean this in a negative. There's a lot of sameness in this album. And I mean that as the most positive comment as how it could be taken because it all seems like it belongs on the same album to right. me there isn't right there's not anything on here that's like that's out of place the production is congruent the songwriting is congruent looking at the song lengths six minutes 514 616 456 5 441 there's just from the balcony is 243 all the others are right in that range you know so it, it all goes and and that makes it hard for me to decide being that it all fits so well I think it's probably Fortune Seller and then New State of Mind and then Open Your Eyes. But I love Open Your Eyes, especially that live version. Yeah. Yeah. And I think New State of Mind is an interesting opener. Um, It might have even sounded really cool live had they done it. Oh, I know. I hoped that they would have. But I wonder why it's the opener and not Open Your Eyes where you just leap right into it you know because open yeah. your eyes just pop boom 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 it just rumbles on you know it's great yeah that's a good point maybe open your eyes would have been a stronger opener yeah the 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 one thing though that i'll give a new state of mind for being the opener is you don't know what to expect from this album 
And one of the big things, (laughs) literally, one of the big things about uh, New State of Mind is, other than that real big sound, when those vocals come in, that wall of vocals, it's like, whoa, that might be why. They wanted to just hit them with that. Yeah, fade in. Yeah, it's just, it's just... So yeah, I like it, it, it as an opener, but it's a curious question still. Yeah, and it's not too abrupt. It's not like, say, I would have waited forever. Right. Oh, yeah, <laughs> where you're turning it up all the way and then... Yeah, that could have eased a fade-in, definitely. <laughs> as much as I love that song. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so, uh, the hidden track. Yeah, like the hidden track that turns the solution into like a 23 minute track on the CD. So I'm going to I'm going to spill the beans on this. Yeah. The first time I heard the hidden track was for those of you who saw the tour, you saw them play that you heard them play that while the curtains were closed. You know like but well if there were curtains where you saw them, there was where I saw them. So you hear this track and then it's like, oh, wow, there's that. And then there's that. So on the cassette, there was no extra track because it would take so much more tape. Right. So I, I remember I had to, um, it was on one of our trips, either to your place or from your place when I was vid- visiting and uh, we listened to the CD that I that I had and um, it took a couple of minutes for, you know, it's silent for like maybe almost two minutes. And then you hear like birds and maybe water and stuff. And then uh, it takes a bit for it to slowly say, waiting for the moment when the moment, you know, it feels yeah. very, I would have waited forever. And you're like, that scared the shit out of me. Yeah, because you hear the yeah. little birdies and the leaves and the, the water. So you want to kind of turn that up and just zen to it. And then, yeah, that happens. <laughs> and, and that was also the first time I knew it was on something, a product. I thought it was just something they put together for the opening of the show and that was the only place it was now here's another fun fact oh a cat just woke up today <laughs> today you know i cooked and ate something real quickly before we started and that was the first time i've ever listened to the whole hidden track yeah the very first yeah. time. i'd never heard the whole thing before well well since our drive you mean right right yeah um so that I love it. I love the concept of that. And I have a feeling that was all Billy. That just seems so Billy Sherwood to me. I wish right. we asked him that on our, well, we can ask him. I'll text him. Oh, I, I vaguely remember him saying like maybe a friend of his put it together for them. And yeah, I don't know. But um, in our interview or otherwise? No, uh, otherwise. Okay, it might have been good, like, I don't remember that. It, it might have been in a message from a long time ago or a comment from a long time ago. Oh, but, interesting. So, um, but, but yeah, it's a neat little Easter egg thing. Yeah. And before we get to uh, fan mail, are there any comments? Um, I see someone commented, but it's not like yes, really. Oh, I see Brian Cahoon. Uh, saying hell of a anniversary. Uh, so for open your eyes. Um, hey Brian. I also see he said shorter with age. I'm not sure what that's referring to. Oh, because you but... were sinking. Oh, maybe. but when I was sinking. Okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You just had a birthday. Steve had a birthday here in November, about a weekish and a half ago. Like 
two weeks, like whenever the sixth was. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh yeah, we're this far into the <laughs> month already. Wow. Yeah. Um, so there are also other versions of some of these songs, or, or I guess first, um, somehow someday has a bit that John had already used on boundaries from his 1982 animation album. Oh and yeah. Oh, we're from the promise ring earlier in 97. By the so, way, a little fun game. If y'all want to guess Steve's age, go, go for it. No cheating. Don't look. And I have a big birthday coming up in April. Go ahead and guess my age. We'll see who. Who gets closest? No cheating. And if you know already, don't guess. This is for people to guess. <laughs> so go ahead. You want to talk about those those songs? And we'll go through some of that one. Then we'll get to um, some fan mail stuff. Yeah. So uh, my question is, uh, do you have like a preferred of those three John songs? Like, do you have like a preferred one? I do. And I'll tell you why. It's kind of a curious reason you might find. Uh, from Boundaries, that's my favorite. Be Is that the one? Yeah. Because to me, um, it I don't know why. There's something about his voice and the way it was mixed or recorded that reminds me so much of his work with Vangelis. Okay, yeah. It's, and it was the same time period. So Yeah. yeah. There's something very solo or Vangelis-related that sounds makes it sound not in yes, which I think is great because he's so identified with yes, of course, and he always will be, but that's John. And it sounds like John m most out of all of them, even though it is him on all of them, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I think Boundaries is probably my favorite of the three as well. And, but and got, what? I, Same reason or? Yeah, like it just feels like the most well put together and, you know, his voice is great, the okay. melodies and, but I got to give props to the catchiness of somehow, someday. Yeah. Um, like, yeah, I don't know, like it's just catchy and I really like it. For sure. Uh, Absolutely. Like, hearts will be chosen. Like, I kind of like the flow of all that. Yeah. Um, and a few years ago, um, well, oh, first off, uh, Steve Howe also put like his uh, instrumental version of From the Balcony on Homebrew 2 like a long time ago. And I think also more recently, uh, he put a version on his second anthology collection. Oh. Yeah. Um, we kind of talked about Wish I Knew by Chris Squire Experiment. They performed that live in 92. Mm -hmm. And... Wish I Knew and Man in the Moon also appear on Conspiracy. Um, and a few years ago, Billy Sherwood put out his own version of Universal Garden, which I, I remember where I was when I listened to that. I was still in college. I was at the student center, probably making like a PB&J sandwich, like on, on toasted bread, like to study and stuff. And I, I saw and I bought the track on amazon and i was like wow this sounds really great like it's got great production um but i think i still i think for a time i preferred it over the yes version but there's a section like toward the end where i feel like the vocals are stronger on the yes version so i think i prefer the yes version overall but i think it's still cool that billy did that you know sort of resurrect that song a bit uh, for yeah. whatever reason yeah absolutely um, yeah, I'm looking up like what year that came out. I feel like it was maybe 2016 or seven. Oh, it was 2015. Wow. 
Excuse me. So, so that was 18 years later. Uh, yeah, basically. Wow. That, that, so that's a neat trivia question. What yes song was repurposed, not as the same recording, just on a archive, you know, best of, but what yes song was repurposed by the band or a different member as a different version in the longest span of time out the top of my head, that might be it. Yeah. There might be other possibilities. I'm just not thinking of at the moment, but yeah, it's cool that he did that. Um, and we talked about the songs that were performed live, but you know, they only performed a couple songs from this album. It, it, it was very much, the tour was very much classic. Yes. Focused because yeah. they, didn't really hadn't really had a chance to showcase that on a full tour it was just a san luis obispo shows and they wanted to bring that to everyone which is understandable but i wish that they could have you know removed stuff like i've seen all good people and roundabout and maybe a couple of the other staples to showcase a little bit more uh, of this and maybe key and i understand why they, time yeah i understand why they got to keep one of those at least and if so please make it roundabout and don't cut out the middle section. But um, yeah, they did the Revealing Science of God, which was great. Oh, when they started playing that, I that's, you know, my Stuck on an Island song. Um, and they played, uh, oh, the one of the best, if not the best version of Whitefish I've ever heard or seen was mm. fantastic. Uh, trying to think of what else. Heart of the Sunrise was great. Uh, they opened with Siberian Katru and then went into Heart of yep. Sunrise. And Alex and I, your brother, uh, were there for the sound check on the stage with them um, just to the side. And they did the first like minute and a half or so of Siberian Katru. So I, I was like, okay, now I know what's going on there you know, for the beginning because that's the only place they've ever put it. Um, and that was neat. That was really neat. John wasn't there for sound check, by the way. Huh. Yeah. Yeah, but I think people generally agree that the tour for the album was like I know it wasn't exactly for the album like in the end, but I think people generally enjoyed the tour much like how with Union. Yeah, I was just going to say that. that Thank yeah, you. Yes. People weren't that enamored with Union, but they really loved the tour. Yeah. It was a two completely different experiences. It wasn't as much a spectacle on the album because they didn't all record together, but they did all perform together with the tour. And I think that's what made that so special. You had two landmark eras of the band, basically. Not that there were only two, but, uh, you know, I think Patrick being on that one album, okay, I'm going down a rabbit hole, but I do think that that was a landmark era for just Relayer. That's an era in itself, even though it's just one album. Yeah. And I think drama was too. I mean, it sort of repeated itself in a future, you know, reprise of that yeah. lineup. But, but at the at yeah, but it then, still feels like two different eras. Yeah. To me. yeah, yeah, and they're decades apart. But drama was just like a whole new, the biggest difference of any change in the band, I think. Um, so, yeah, that it is a lot like that. You're right. The tour was great. I wish I could remember some of the other songs. Yeah, I think they played Rhythm of Love on that tour as well. On yeah. Open Your Eyes? Yeah, I believe so. I 
Huh, okay, if so, I'm completely forget. I almost said no, but maybe I'm just forgetting. It happens. Did they right. play Rhythm of Love? Oh! <laughs> you know what? You're right, because I remember Igor doing that live part. Like a horn parts on the synthesizer. You're right. Yeah. They did. Wow. Huh. Yeah. So I have like maybe one or two more questions uh, okay. about the album, but should we go into the comments first? Yeah, like let's the... go into comments first. Some people chime in. What are your thoughts? What is your deal? Where are you? <laughs> <laughs> and did you see the tour? Right. So these are comments from when I shared this around uh, within the last few days. Uh, we'll so take first... turns reading them. Yeah, so we got Charles Wagner who says, Love Shine is my second favorite pop song of that decade, second only to Mysterious Ways by U2. That's, that even gives the album even more context, the fact that that's your favorite, Charles, and what you're comparing it to. I think that's really cool. That's a great, yeah, great contextual comment. Yeah, it's interesting because... Love Shine isn't high for me, but I think it's awesome that it's like really high up there for Charles. And that's really saying something when you consider what came out that decade, you know? Right. Um, this is from John Puskar. Hope I'm pronouncing your, right, your name right, John. Uh, there are a few awesome tunes on this record. I like the Squire singing lead, uh, Man in the Moon, and the tour was fun too. Wasn't this the Igor period? The tour must have been fun for you to see if you don't remember that Igor was there. <laughs> it was the Igor, the start of the two-album Igor period, yes. But right. that's cool. It, there are some great songs on there, I think. Yeah, and Max Hunt. This is uh, probably the deepest comment. Take a deep breath before you – try to read this one all in one breath. I bet you can't. Okay, Max Hunt says, I love it. Um, and yeah, we interviewed Max Hunt and Clive Bailey earlier this year also. So yeah, yeah thanks yeah, for a comment, that's cool. Max. Thanks, Max. Thanks for tuning in. Uh, Brian R. Harris, a, a repeat offender, says, <laughs> in general, I'm not a fan of the album, but the title track is killer. I can't figure out why it isn't a huge track on air or radio uh, at the time. Also, Love from the Balcony saw Yes Do, both of them on the tour. The best part of the album was that it got the band back on the road after Wakeman left. Exactly. That's great. And where I, where, where I was from, it was big on the radio during that time. And I grew up in, this was in Los Angeles. So at the time, KMET was gone. So it was just KLOS, which is still the big rock flagship of Los Angeles and most of SoCal, actually. And that's where I heard it first, was on the radio driving, and it was it was pretty big. I mean, it wasn't like Working Man was to Rush, you know, up in uh, Detroit and all that. But but I heard it, I, I think, somewhat frequently. Wait, maybe that's because I bought the cassette. Never mind. Huh, okay. <laughs> um, and before we continue with these comments, I do see a live one from Doug Curran. Uh, who says, saw the tour in Columbus, Ohio, an enjoyable show in a 2,800-seat auditorium, a new lineup, but I'm used to all the changes over the years. Um, oh, and Dave Watkinson just chimed in, saying the hidden track is in detail in my opening music article on Yes World. An interview with the maker, check it out, chaps. Okay, I'll have to give that a look Absolutely. and share that. Uh, yeah. Thanks, and going Dave. back to the first comment, um, when what was the gentleman's name? I'm sorry. 
Uh, it was Doug Curran. Doug Curran. How you doing, Doug? Thanks for that, because you just jogged my memory. That's right. These were smaller theaters, typically, that they were playing in. The San Diego Theater, I saw them. What was that called? Fourth Street Theater? It was smaller than the place I saw them a couple nights later at what used to be, like I said, the Gibson Theater, which was before then, the Universal Amphitheater. It would, That was probably 30% larger than where I saw them. And when... Alex and I walked in through the backstage entrance, my, my son, my other son, for those of you, one of the other, anyways, and <laughs> he was eight at the time. You were how old? Uh, so he was seven. He was, he was eight. He was eight. Yeah. Uh, yeah. He was seven and a half. Yeah. Okay. So we, we walked in through the backstage and walked through the stage. And when I saw the place, I was like, oh. And I was sort of like, it gave me pause because every time I've seen Yes, it's been at like um, the the LA Forum and, you know, big places like that. So I thought, okay, this is interesting. It kind of bothered me. Like I felt like, what's going on? Why are they playing such a small place? But then, you know, when we got our seats, which were maybe row 12 or something like that, the intimacy of this place was great. And now I love, love, love seeing bands like that. Okay. Yeah. So it, it's, uh, it was, there was a pivot going on in live music then where not everyone was selling arenas and, and big places even. Yes. But I liked it. It was cool. Right. Yeah. So continuing through the other comments we have, uh, Kenny Owens says, not their best moment, but any Yes album outshines other bands of the same genre. <laughs> That's um, fair. So, I don't know, maybe Love Shine, you could say. Um, <laughs> Love Shines out of, right. yeah. Robert Lee Latham, hey, how are you, Rob? Thanks for chiming in. I liked the first three songs a lot. I loved the tour and was surprised that there was a secret track at the end. Absolutely. Yeah. Tom Kuzuski. Uh, says, actually love the first two songs, huge Squire backing vocals. The rest is decent. The tour was great. And from the balcony was great live. So awesome. I'm yeah, I'm noticing a trend that some people really like the first couple or first few songs. That's and the tour. Yeah. yeah, that's great. David Reed, thanks for writing us, David. He says, I think that has some fantastic tracks. Had Yes West... How had the Yes West feel to it, even without Rabin Harmony is stellar. I love it. Three exclamation points. That's awesome. And yeah. last but certainly not least. Yeah. Tony Monteleon says Universal Garden is a good one. And that's with, I think, five or six exclamation points. And good one is all caps. So that's yeah. great. <laughs> there's there's some neat congruent stuff here. Um, and you see both comment tracks right drum talk tv and yes shift yeah i see uh doug chimed in again uh saying right on the 94 tour they primarily played outdoor amphitheaters saw them at an 1800 seater near cleveland and 1500 oh, wow. near columbus not sold out obviously but good atmospheres and then uh he also said billy really upped the vocal harmonies on the album working closely with chris on those and, their voices, uh, the timber of their voices just went so well together. And Eli Golden says, does music live for forever? Um, I think so. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And that's that's what's great about these 
amazing legacies they're leaving with all these different lineup changes. There really is something for everybody. I've met two people in my life. One of them, I can't think of the name. The other one, I won't call out. I've met two people in my life that don't like any yes whatsoever. I don't talk to either of them. <laughs> and Kevin McKibbergen. Actually, one's a great friend and it's awkward, but go on. <laughs> and Kevin McKivergan says the track itself, love. So I'm guessing Kevin's referring to the title track, Open Your Eyes. Yeah, cool. Right. So um, before, I guess before we close out, uh, I have like the like one or two questions. Um, so before this, you were saying that, well, before we came on, you were saying this might be Yes's most polarizing album. Yeah, that's right. We were going to talk about that. And I'll, I'll play some of this music as, as we go out. That's right. why it pulled up in front of you. Sorry. Okay. And so by polarizing, do you mean like some people love it and some people hate it or by like just negative reception? No, like it's the former. I think that it's polarizing in that people like us, we really dig it. There's people that have chimed in here that really dig it. There's some people that say there's one good track and then there's some people that say it's not yes because Patrick Moraz isn't on it. You know, there's, there's a mix of, of these different things, but there I'm sure are people of probably your age group that were introduced to yes through owner of a lonely heart and they hear sound chaser and they're like what the fuck were they smoking like <laughs> and they were smoking what you think they were smoking but you know where it's just not their thing so within the yes immense expansive catalog there really is something for everyone i think and this album fits more in that era where let's face it yes did more music that had more epic and and proggy 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 deep prog stuff than anything else so there's more of those fans from over the years than ever and this album just doesn't resonate with a lot of them i'm one of those people too but i like this album because i can look at it objectively just for what it is i'm i'm never making comparisons i just i don't i've never done that with any band other than future pacing it by being real happy with something and going oh my god i can't wait to hear what they put out next <laughs> yeah um yeah i remember the context of our conversation earlier you're like this might be yes's most polarizing album and i was like well one of them anyway and I oh that's were... right and i said don't tell me which one wait till the show so dun, 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 dun. what so, is it i was gonna say maybe heaven and earth but i think people oh. are, are generally i don't know there there might be a more leaning into the negative with that one um i think so too yeah and i I've, think more people like open your eyes than I could be wrong. I don't. I'm just guessing. I don't. I haven't done a yeah, poll. But um, I think another potential one is Union. You know, some people like really that's just true. don't like it, but there are some people who really like that one or two tracks. On yeah, and everyone likes the tour. I've never heard anyone say they didn't like the tour. So right. that is very similar to this in some ways, then, isn't it? Yeah, I guess you could say that. I just um, said it. <laughs> so then what would you say is the legacy of open your eyes one of the things that one of our viewers said that it got them back on the road and the tour brought back you know 
the revealing science of God. I don't know how much that means to a lot of people, but to me, that was like, oh my God, this is so good. And Igor <laughs> did a fantastic job. The band played well. You got the extra member and Billy Sherwood and it all fit. And it was wonderful. Um, but I, I think it's a unfairly discounted album. I think that it's, it's almost, and, and yes, members, please, this means no offense. I'm, this is just my interpretation of summing up other people's thoughts. I think in some ways it's put aside over here. It's almost ostracized in a way. Right. Very unfairly because, again, there would be no ladder without Open Your Eyes. And the ladder is great. And, you know, I, I that's what I think. Yeah, it's like you've said over the years, it's kind of like a lost yes album, but yeah, like I think the biggest thing about it, like in terms of legacy, is that it cemented Billy as a yes member. You know, he'd been working, he'd written a couple songs with yes and then toured with them and then yeah. produced and mixed with them, but this album cemented him as like. You know, he was really in there, really trying to yeah. push the band to put something out, trying to, like, he didn't want to see them fall apart. And people can have their thoughts on the end result of this, but it put him in the band and they did the tour, did the ladder, and now he's been back in the band for several years, carrying the flame for Chris after his sad passing. And, you know, those two had such a great friendship and this was this was very much part of that you know uh, yeah you're right and just to add a little something to that on top of all that he's a great musician yeah. and a great singer and he writes lyrics and he's got all the other technical chops you mentioned he's worn more hats being part of yes than any other member <laughs> yeah it's like we mentioned on our review of the big piece uh earlier this month it's like any of the naysayers can listen to that album and be like, okay, yeah. yeah it, like they have. Oh, go, go ahead. ahead. Okay, I, I was just gonna say, anyone that's not happy with "Open Your Eyes," if you haven't heard the big piece, go listen to that. And I know you might even end up saying, "I wish that was Open Your Eyes," but <laughs> it's just that's Billy, and it's great. It's a fantastic album. I hadn't heard it in years, and when we privately Stephen and i separately listened to it to prep for the show i was like oh my god i totally forgot how amazing this is i don't even know if i had ever heard every song but there were two that i remembered that were also surprisingly long which was really cool so go give that a listen folks but steve what yeah. were you gonna say oh i was just gonna say that there have definitely been like people have looked at certain members as scapegoats over the years, like, you know, with the drama lineup with Trevor and Jeff, I guess. And then Trevor Rabin, definitely. And then that's so I, insulting. I guess Billy Sherwood. like people just feel like they need to put their blame on somebody, but like more often than not, it's like a, it's like a mix of all the things happening. It doesn't all come down to just one person. Most of the time I would say. You know? That that also makes me realize the fact that Yes is not any one album and it's not any one lineup. It's the entire institution, if you will, which it has been. You know, I don't know if there's been more members in and out of Jethro Tull and Yes. Right. Other than um, the London Philharmonic, maybe. <laughs> right. 
Um, I'm just looking through comments. Uh, Dave is asking about the Roger Dean exhibit video. I'm still working on that. I'm thinking it might come out in December, um, it, which might be, be great. Yeah, uh, I'm actually thinking of calling it a Dean Semper special. Ooh, ooh. That's a, yeah. <laughs> um, so, yeah, um, that's still being worked on. Uh, and Doug also said, to me, all Yes albums are good albums. It's not fair to compare Open Your Eyes to 70s classic albums, but then Close to the Edge and Relayer don't sound alike. Open Your Eyes is more commercial sounding, but I'll take it over any boy band albums or <laughs> rap albums or Mariah Carey, etc. Okay, yeah, some things will resonate with people and some things won't, I, I guess. Is yeah, the point. it's just like cake. Right, yeah. Um, so, yeah, I guess that does it right yeah uh, for yeah. those of you in america or americans abroad happy thanksgiving from Stephen and i we will not be celebrating together because distance and just different family yeah, dynamics we live in different states yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i'm going to vegas to have uh, thanksgiving with a bunch of the other kids and grandkids but we wish you well and as we're winding down the year join us on the first where we will have, as Steve mentioned earlier, Aaron and Joe Emerson, son and daughter-in-law of the late, great Keith Emerson. And we'll also touch on Chris Welch's phenomenal book at that. And then it looks like we're having Chris on on the 6th. I'm so excited about that. I've been following Chris Welch the, since long before may, you were born. Maybe the 7th. We'll have to solidify. Oh, okay. Yeah. I thought I saw an email later and figured you saw it. So maybe it's in there. But we'll let you know. And uh, yeah, I've been following Chris forever. Forever. Yeah, and we've also teased another interview that's happening on the 8th, but I guess we'll get to that. And uh, i got to look at my calendar. Why don't yeah. I remember this? <laughs> oh, yeah. I have the time of the show. Who is it? Uh, Claire Hamill. Okay, don't tell anyone, and we'll surprise them with a from. <laughs> so for those of you who don't know who Claire Hamill is, if you're a Steve Howe solo artist fan, she is on his second album and is the only female voice on there the only voice besides steve and it's great uh don't look over your shoulder yeah. right uh this yeah on the steve howe album and yeah. uh she has her own album as well so that, that'll be interesting to talk about yeah we'll see um, what kind of dirt we could uh sweep up of, about steve from back <laughs> in the day just kidding i'm sure he was a wonderful person to work with such a gentleman it's so down to earth too i loved having him on one of my favorite musicians ever and he was just so so nice right and people can find all those past interviews and all our episodes on facebook.com slash yes shift we have a facebook section. page just kidding yeah, that's, yeah. and uh go to youtube.com slash at yes shift uh, i think that handle works now um and go to anchor.fm slash yes shift you'll find the audio versions of our episodes and which podcasting platforms we're on and, and there's a donate button the, there and yeah, it is the, the giving season yeah Just click saying. the support button if you'd like to donate to us um and yeah thanks for joining us and we'll see you all next time just keep following us for more info on when we're on again yeah dig into the catalog we have this is episode 77 and there's probably at least two dozen news desk reports it's over a hundred episodes now so when you don't know what to do or you hate what's on TV or you know who's yelling at you, just put your earpods in and listen to Yes Shift. Over and out. Thanks, folks. Bye. Bye-bye.